The CFOs that get it, get it. The CFOs that don't, don't. Let's talk about the CFO, the Chief Financial Officer. There are two kinds of CFOs. One who's struggling to keep up, spreadsheets everywhere, manual processes. It takes weeks to close the books. The other kind is on top of their game. Automated reports, inventory, commerce, and HR flow into the financial model seamlessly. NetSuite is everything you need to grow all in one place. That's why NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system used by over 28,000 growing businesses. 93% of businesses increased their visibility and control after upgrading to NetSuite. Head to netsuite.com slash c-suite for a special one-of-a-kind financing offer. That's netsuite.com slash c-suite. netsuite.com slash c-suite. This is Profit from the Inside with Joel Block. Insights to give your business the inside track. And now, here's your host, Joel Block. And we're back with Bob Wright Black. Uh, we're going to talk about being disruption proof and taking steps in the process that he uses to help his clients be disruption proof. So, Bob, welcome. Glad to have you with us. Well, thank you very much. Nice to uh, nice to have you. So, tell us a little bit. First of all, where I uh, first I, I, first I, I see that uh, you've started a lot of companies. You've uh, today's not your first day on the job, apparently. Uh, maybe the second. I've actually started a dozen companies in the past 30 some years, mostly because I get bored easily. I come up with an idea that I think will change the world. I implement it. When the company's going really well, the process is in place. I get bored, sell it off, move on to the next one. So these aren't, uh, these aren't companies you've worked for. These are actually companies you've started. Yep. Founded so or co-founded. Typical serial entrepreneur. Uh, yep. Serial, usually Cheerios. Oh, yes. You mean, yes, repeat it. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. Well, so tell us, so um, you obviously uh, deal with a lot of innovative kind of things because anybody who starts a business, you're probably, uh, are, do you tend to work on the leading edge? Is that kind of where you are, the bleeding edge? I mean, where are you in the curve? I would say I'm an opportunist. I see an opportunity that's not being well met and I go for it to try to be maybe not first mover, but in the, in the first group so that I can take advantage, build up, ride the wave sell it at its peak and then move on to the next one. So are, so are these deals, would, would you say they're, uh, I mean, are they at the leading edge? I mean, are you, are, you, know, what, you know, what do you look for? I mean, I, I, listen, I spent my career in the venture capital business. We're looking for new, innovative, unusual ideas that need financing. I, I, you know, the whole venture capital business is really, the nickname of it is really innovation finance. That's what we do. So, you know, what were you doing? Were you really doing innovative stuff or where were you? I look for people who are struggling, not getting the results that they want or not being able to get any results because it was too far off the mark. And I want to give them an easy way to accomplish what they want to accomplish. So I know some so, people would call that disruptive, but I never looked at it that way. I looked well, at the need and I want to fill it. Let's, let's put it like this. All right, so there's two things. One is there are companies that you started and then there's now there's companies that you advise. Yes. And those are different things. So do you work kind of in a turnaround environment? Like where somebody is dissatisfied and you come in and take over for them or. I have done, I have done turnarounds. I haven't done one in a couple of years right now. I'm focusing on helping companies be more creative and avoiding disruption. What does that really look like? It yeah. is 
the seven most expensive words that, that any company ever hears or says is that's the way we've always done it. Yeah. Or of course it's evil twin. That's not how we do it here. Yeah. And I try to get them to break that cycle. Especially uh, in this environment where we are changing so rapidly. It's right. It's remarkable how fast things are changing. So what are, what are things that you're seeing change? Where are, where are changes occurring? What kinds of industries or places do you operate? Uh, well, I operate mostly in manufacturing and distribution because that's what I know real well. And it, it seems to be on the constant change uh, path. All the companies I started used high technology, but I've never been a high technology developer. I didn't develop the software, develop the hardware. But you're a user. I, I used it yeah. in order to accomplish what I needed to accomplish. Yeah. To me, the biggest change on the horizon is autonomous vehicles. I think sure. that will change every market in the world more disruptive than anything we've ever seen in the past. Really? Boy. So are you, um, when you, when you work on these kinds of deals, I mean, are you, uh, advising companies about how to prepare? I mean, what kinds of conversations are you having with companies? It goes from like yourself, either a keynote or a workshop to get people understanding how to find ideas and implement them to actually coming in and working on big projects. Biggest pro project I ever worked on was a $1.25 billion challenge that we took a couple of days to try to analyze the problem and start to, to develop responses to the changing market that was creating the problem. You know, a lot of guys I know that work in manufacturing, they tend to be logistics guys. Are you on the, you're not on the logistics side, you're maybe more marketing? Um, mostly product or service. What's going to alter the, the, operation. For example, one of the companies I worked with recently, their biggest challenge was their customers would call every day saying, where is my product in your pipeline? And they didn't know how to deal with it. It was yeah. taking a lot of time and effort. And I said, well, let's look at say Safe Light Auto or Uber, where you place an order and they show you a little map of where your guy is or your gal is in the process. Yeah. You know, as, as a consumer, and this is an interesting thing really, is that as a consumer, I love that. I, I love being able to have that level of detail, uh, you know, being able to see it. I mean, even FedEx, you can see it once a day or twice a day. They give you a little right, update. Right. But are companies adopting and adapting to these kinds of uh, changes that consumers are, are looking for? Are you helping them do that? I'm helping them do that. My experience is no, they don't. They live by the myth that if they do what they've always done, they'll get what they've always gotten. And it's, it is such a myth, just trying to get people to understand, look out the window, look out the door. The world is changing too rapidly. We've got to make a change. You know, what's funny is that there's a lot of people that are 50 and a little bit, 50 plus maybe. And they'll mm -hmm. say, listen, please just let me hang on for 10 more years. Don't let the world change too much. And, and then I'm out of here and I'm done. And, and, and then my kid can worry about this problem. Mm -hmm. What do you do with that, with that kind of a deal? Uh, I try to get people to look back 10 years to say, look how much we've come in those 10 years. It's going to be twice as fast or three times as fast for the next 10 years. So if you think you can hold on, it's not going to happen. That's the thing that scares me is that it is going faster and faster and faster. I mean, in the, in the 90s, when I was doing a lot of venture stuff, we had a year. We'd write a business plan. We'd implement. We'd test. We'd experiment. Now, uh, you, can, you can write an app and release it in, in a week. Right. And, and, and if you don't get traction in a week, you kill it and you start something else. Uh, it, it's, it's shocking how fast it is. I, I can't even keep track of it. Yeah. 
I ask people in my workshops all the time, what is near term for you? And most people say a quarter. Really, do you have a smartphone? Yeah. Well, how often do they come up with new releases to your smartphone apps? Pretty and often. It's typically two weeks. Like every, every week or two. Yeah. yeah. So that's near term for innovation. Wow. Midterm becomes the next quarter. Long term becomes maybe nine months, maybe a year. That's wow. as fast as we're going. I think the majority of what I do is help people to really see that their competition, their indirect or direct competition is screaming up behind them rapidly and they have to be aware of it because even if they're doing everything right, the competition is going to scream right by them. Yeah. And then we can start to come up with ideas. Are you mostly dealing with people who are older? Are you dealing with some millennials or, uh, or what are kind of the age bracket of people you tend to work with? Uh, it seems to be 30 and up, but a lot of people in their 50s. I like working with owner operators. I don't like working with public companies. So these are five to $50 million companies that are typically one owner and typically in their 50s by the time they get to that position. Yeah. Yeah. And listen, you've got uh, the Midwest, uh, and, and you're in the Midwest, right? Chicago? Yeah. Chicago yeah. suburbs, yeah. Uh, the Midwest has a lot of these older family businesses that have been doing things in a certain way. Uh, you know, our economy in Los Angeles is a much younger economy. It's a more vibrant economy. It's a little different. But your guys, uh, boy, I'll tell you, you've got a lot of family businesses that are really in for a surprise. So what do you tell these companies? If a family business brought you in, what would you tell them? What's the first set of questions you start asking? What are your customers really looking for? And they set, rattle off pat answers. Right. And I said, what do you base that? What do you base that on? Well, that's the way we've always done it. We've been when was the last time you actually asked your customers what they wanted? Well, uh, hem and haw. Why don't we go out and actually visit customers and ask them what they really want and go beyond that, observe them as they're using your product or service, watch their frustrations, watch what they're looking for. We get so many good ideas on how to just make either tweaks or major changes. I'd rather disrupt myself than let someone else disrupt me. I want to do things on my timetable. That's, that's a great uh, philosophy of uh, disrupt yourself. You know, how many of these people, though, are open to doing something as simple as going out on a visit? And, and they can't go by themselves. They need to go with somebody like you as a professional that's looking right. for certain kinds of answers, that's unbiased, that's not going to, uh, you know, have that uh, we've always done it this way kind of mentality. Yeah. Uh, are they open to that or they, they just say, you know, I, I guess it depends if they're hurting or not, you know. Unfortunately, maybe 50%, even people who are hurting find it very difficult to give up what they've always done and look at something new. Yeah. They just think if they keep going in the direction they're going and they try just a little bit harder, but it doesn't work. No. They have to make a change. They have the to world, say The world is different. The world is, is structurally different than it ever was before. And for all those reasons, uh, they have to do things differently. So, so you go out, what are the big things that you find that they have to do different? Where are the real soft spots that companies really need to make changes? Uh, become aware that they really are going to be disrupted if they don't do something different. If, once they accept that, then we can go through the steps and how to come to that realization. And the big realization is going out and getting empathy for their customers. Forget big data, forget the market research, forget the focus groups. It's one-on-one, -on -one, kneecap to kneecap with customers, watching them as they're frustrated, watching them as they're trying to accomplish what they want to accomplish. Yeah. Once they get that empathy, a whole new world opens up. Well, here, you know, here's the other thing is that, you know, 
we live in a world where relationship development is, is at a whole new level. It's, it's a whole new thing. And when you go and visit a customer, that really reinforces the relationship and probably more than anything, uh, insulates you from uh, having that customer ripped away from you. Uh, it, it does. But I think we learn more from going to the customers that were mad and left mm. and going to the customers that never bought from us. Mm. That's where the ideas for disruption are going to come from. Yeah. People who are happy with us now continue to do business with us. They get value out of what we're giving them today. I want to know how I can deliver value tomorrow, next week, next year. Yeah. Now, do you work, what, what departments? You tend to work with sales and marketing, work with the inside people? Who do you uh, work I with? I prefer to work with CEOs, with C-suite. So I want them to be able to say, we are doing this. <laughs> so, so you work with people that are purely in charge of the strategy, the purse strings and everything else. Yes. What departments do they call on for the biggest amounts of change to take place? Uh, they try to rely on HR, which I don't think is the best answer. Uh, and then it becomes sales. Well, we need to get more sales. Well, if your salespeople are, are talking to the wrong people and delivering the wrong message. You're not going to get more sales. So let's give them the direction to go in first. What about, um, what about finance? Do you ever deal with the finance people? I mean, do those people... Uh, are they part of the mix? Uh, yes, and usually they're the, the biggest resistors to change because they see the risk of something new instead of realizing that they're in a slow decline. But usually we can let's, demonstrate let's, to finance. Let's, let's, let's talk about that. Okay. Risk of something new versus slow decline, which is almost a guaranteed fail. I mean, yes. so they're, they're on a slow path to tragedy or, or they take a risk and maybe, so let's just, just talk about that. Give us some examples of that. So if you keep doing what you're doing and the company's in slow decline and I'm the CFO, it's not my fault. The CEO said we're going in this direction. But if I'm the CFO and say, yes, we need to go in this new direction, we're going to kill our cash cow and implement something new. Now I'm to blame if it doesn't work. Now, well, bl blame aside, uh, you know, I just know having come from the finance area originally, mm -hmm. finance people, they don't have a lot of control. They're, they're, they're writing the numbers down uh, as they come in and they don't really understand necessarily how the strategy is going to unfold. So that might be part of their resistance. I mean, they're, they're not really part of the, part of the yes. loop. So they, they're, they're kind of outside the circle. Um, are they difficult to bring around or what's your experience? If we can demonstrate the numbers, People can come around. Uh, that usually means test market. I love test market. MVPs, minimum viable products. Let's risk a little to prove that it works instead of risking the whole company on a wide rollout. So yeah. if we do a planned rollout of some new innovation, it's much easier to get people to buy in because they see that it's working without risking excessively. It's yeah. when people want to come in and make wholesale changes, shoot the cash cow, burn it, <laughs> and then the next day come up with something new. Well, those are really hard to do. Yeah, that's kind of, uh, that, that's, that's the venture world. That's, that's not the regular world that everybody lives in. I mean, it's, uh, that level of risk is a different story, especially I, family business. You know, once, once you become substantial, the goal is not so much growth as it is uh, protection. And so a lot of these people just want to protect what they have. They don't want to continue risking, but what they don't realize is if they don't continue risking, then the protection is impossible. You know, I don't want to risk the whole company, but let's take some small percentage and come up with a uh, plan B. Let's try that product, see where it works, try it with a test market of customers, see the adoption rate. 
prove that it works, and then we can start to make a shift from one to the next. So, so it seems like your great strategy really for dealing with uh, potential disruption and innovation is going mono and mono. You said kneecap to kneecap with, uh, with people who uh, are, the, are the customers, or maybe they're, they're not customers anymore. They're people that, that were customers and, and asking them their opinion. I mean, that's a pretty strong uh, mechanism. I mean, and, and not everybody, you'd think that everybody would do it, but not everybody does. In fact, my sense is that a lot of people are probably sending out email surveys because it's just cheaper and easier. Yeah, and, and the information you get is worth the paper it's not printed on. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you've got to not only talk to the customer, but observe them as they're interacting with your product or service. Because if you yeah. ask customers, they'll tell you what they want based on what's available today. They're not going to tell you what they want tomorrow because it doesn't yet exist. Well, they don't know what they want tomorrow. They, you know, <clears throat> listen, the, the famous line from Henry Ford if I'd asked people what they wanted, they would have said faster horses. Right. Sometimes you have to lead the customer through the innovation process because they don't know. They don't know what yeah. they don't know. They don't know what's possible, but they know what they don't like for sure. And when they see something new, they know that too. So there, there are things that are relevant and important that consumers say and, and other things you can't ask them because it doesn't matter, I guess. Well, I don't want to just ask. That's why I want to watch. I want to see what they're frustrated with. I want to see what they're currently using or not using. Find out what their desired outcomes are and then meet those outcomes. I don't want to be married to my products or services. I want to be married to the problem. Yeah. And I'll solve their problem in a new, exciting way. That's how I can either disrupt somebody else or prevent me from being disrupted by somebody else. So. A big takeaway here is that you got to be focused on the big picture, which is the solution that you're providing to the customer's problem. If you're yes. focused on the solution, then uh, disruption is less of an issue because the way you solve it is really just a matter of, of process. Yes. Fair if you want the bumper sticker version, it's not what you make, it's what you make happen. Yeah, there you go. That's pretty cool. Well, listen, Bob, thank you very much. Any, uh, any other tips or anything quick you want to share for, uh, for the audience about how to, how to preserve, protect against disruption and other kinds of issues? Yeah, practice being a paranoid optimist. Expect that the world's going to fall apart tomorrow, but have high hopes for the future. Hey, that's, that an, that's kind of an awesome thing. Listen, Bob, one other thing. Why don't you just share uh, you know, how people can get a hold of you if they like and uh, you know, just tell us what you do. Easiest way is my website www.writeblatt.com, R-O-I-T-B-L-A-T.com. I'm a speaker. I'm a workshop leader. I'm a consultant. I help people come up with new ideas and actually implement those ideas in order to stave off that disruption. And listen, I had you on the show because you're, uh, you're an insider who solves these kind of problems and everybody in my world's an insider. So let's, uh, let's just focus on that and we'll help people who are on the outside be on the inside by uh, interfacing with us. Bob, thank you very much for being part of our show. Thanks, Joel. Take care, man. You've been listening to Profit from the Inside with Joel Block. For more insights and to learn more, visit joelblock.com. Produced by Audavita Studios. Connect your voice to the world.